classic right there what's up everybody it's your boy eric b welcome back to the eric b audio escapade always happy to have you on here this episode today is a recording from a it was a facebook q a that i did right so i had posted a question on facebook you know what would you all like to learn about nutrition and a few individuals asked some questions and I went ahead and answered their their questions. There's also a video for it on my IGTV, Instagram TV. Uh, also on my Facebook. Um, I'm sorry, not Facebook, on my YouTube. And of course, you're about to listen to it right now. Uh, if you do have any questions at any point in time, please don't ever hesitate to ask away. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this. Go ahead and share it with your friends. And I really hope that you get a couple of, uh, you learn a couple of new things on here. Enjoy the show. God knows, God knows I want to break free. Um, so let's get into it. My question was, what nutrition topics would you like to learn about? So I wrote down the questions and I'm going to go ahead and answer them. First, Michael asked, does keto make sense for someone with type 2 diabetes? Um, it can make sense for someone with type 2 diabetes. You just have to be sure that you are closely monitoring your blood sugar levels, your insulin levels if you use insulin, or medications if you use those medications like metformin, let's just say. Something else to keep in mind is what is your activity level like? And also, can you actually stick to keto? And this is me assuming that you are okay with doing keto and that you don't have any kind of past conditions or medical history, family history of high cholesterol or any kind of genetic predisposition to have issues with cholesterol uh, because it's very common to see cholesterol increase uh, when someone goes on a ketogenic diet. Yes, keto can make sense for someone with type 2 diabetes. We just have to make sure that we're going about it the right way. Uh, Nick asks, let's see... Okay, so pros and cons of different types of protein supplements for building muscle. Uh, cons of protein supplements, it depends on the individual. So whether it's whey protein, egg protein, beef protein, soy protein, pea protein, rice protein, hemp protein, and so on and so forth. As long as you're getting some kind of protein, it's going to be beneficial. Now, you also want to keep in mind, does this make me feel bloated? How does my GI or my gastrointestinal tract respond to this? Do I get gas? Do I get bloating? Do I feel uncomfortable? Do I get diarrhea? Now, if we were to pick a pro to these different supplements, one would really be that depends on the person. Um, and also, we can go down the rabbit hole of quality and all of those things, right? Uh, and that could be another episode if you all want to learn about that. Let me know. Pros are that protein shakes actually do help with recuperation and building muscle mass. And they could help with many other things. For example, whey protein, which whey is kind of like the gold standard. 
Whey could help with supporting your immune system. Um, in some individuals, it could help with uh, managing depression. Protein supplements will certainly help with weight control, fat loss, muscle building. Now, next question was specific to building muscle. If you're looking to build muscle, you have to be working out a certain way and eating a certain way. Definitely making sure that you're getting enough protein, and that's where protein shakes actually help out. It's very difficult to eat enough protein to really be able to build muscle. So go ahead and use a protein shake, the one that you like to flavor the most, uh, one that is cost efficient uh, and also effective as well. One company that I like a lot is Dimatize. Uh, there are many other ones out there that are also good. Uh, Dimatize is just like a quick go-to. Quest is actually a decent brand. Uh, Growing Naturals makes a really good rice protein. Uh, whichever one you prefer and sits best with you. Now, Joyce asked, What's the best protein for people who can't have soy or want to be vegan? I would go with rice protein. You can also try pea protein. Um, you know, I would also ask why they can't have soy. For some individuals, it might be a uh, history of cancer. That's typically the, the main one. Uh, oftentimes, there's also fear of it affecting different hormone levels. Uh, I would go with a rice protein or a pea protein. Like I mentioned earlier, I do like growing naturals. Um, as a brand there are other ones uh, there's one that's called Orgain that uh, they sell it like in Costco it's like a white bottle and it tastes very good as well the chocolate flavor um, and that one is a decent quality protein too I would say it was rice or pea protein another question I have is from Claudia Claudia asked about allergies and she says uh, I read an article to, to an RD about peanut allergies any info that you can share allergies are an interesting topic um, right now sensitivities and our body reacting to certain things are being known as allergies so you might do a food allergy test but it's not really measuring an allergy it's measuring does your body respond or react in a certain way or do, or do you tolerate it well from certain blood protein markers like IgG or IgE that's not really an allergy uh, that's just measuring that there's some kind of inflammatory response when your cell gets introduced to this kind of food. For example, I've known of individuals who are deathly allergic, meaning they go into anaphylaxis, their throat closes and they can't breathe. Deathly allergic to shrimp. I did one of these blood tests measuring their IgG or IgE. I forget which one it was at the moment. And it said that they could have shrimp. In that moment, the gentleman was just like, what the heck is this? I, I'll die if I eat shrimp. What's, what's wrong with this test? And obviously, I have to explain that it's measuring something different. So as far as those allergy tests, they may or may not have some validity. Uh, it has helped other individuals who maybe eliminated some foods. Maybe they felt bloating or headaches, uh, and it, it helped them out. But don't ever think that those allergy tests are going to be uh, black and white. Like You have to listen to what it says. Now, as far as allergies go from an actual allergy, not just an intolerance test, that's something serious because, I mean, this you're going to be required to walk around with an EpiPen. God forbid you eat a peanut and you're allergic to it, your throat closes up, you won't be able to breathe. Now, usually early on in age, uh, individuals start kind of practicing with uh, children to see, or exposing them in this case, to see what their body responds to. Can they have peanuts? Can they have eggs or milk? Or, you know, there, there are a few different, uh, about eight or so very common high allergen foods. 
and it's best to get tested and talk with the doctor. Now, as far as Claudia's question, you know, allergies, if you are allergic to something, obviously don't have it. It's interesting, though, because some people might be allergic to something when they're children and they grow out of it, or they're not allergic to something when they're children and they grow into the allergy. So it's almost like a trial and error. It might not be the sexiest answer, but that's worth a shot. I also have a question here from Evelyn. Why people who have been under eating for so long need to eat more in order to lose some weight? And why eating more makes you lose weight? And there were a couple of comments under that. Uh, somebody commented it speeds up your metabolism, which is not true. And somebody also said uh, the body is being starved, uh, which is not entirely true. Starvation is a very serious thing. And just eating for a few hours isn't really starvation. Uh, but once you provide nutrient-dense foods consistently, your body relaxes and it helps with losing weight. Uh, that's not true. Uh, but in theory, it sounds great. Uh, kind of like communism. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, to answer Evelyn's question, why people who have been under eating for so long need to eat more in order to lose weight. In order to lose weight, there has to be a caloric deficit. People need to understand that. It's not just the carbs are making me fat or the protein source is making me fat or I'm eating animal sources and that's making me fat. In order to lose weight, there has to be a caloric deficit. If you're not losing weight, there is not a caloric deficit. That means maybe you should be eating 2,000 calories, but without really knowing, you're consuming 2,300 calories. Now, there's also an important thing to think about, which is history. Dieting history, severe dieting history, any kind of metabolic adaptation. Maybe someone who should generally be eating 1,300 calories for whatever history they had, whether it's hypothyroidism or the thyroid was removed, a severe history of dieting. Maybe there was some type of metabolic adaptation and now their caloric intake goes from 1,300 to maybe 800 to help them with losing some weight. That would be a matter of trying to help them to kind of get the metabolism adapted at a higher rate um and then the second part was why eating more makes you lose weight eating more frequently may help you lose weight but eating more calories overall will not help with weight loss very important to understand that last but not least edith asked carb cycling how does it work who benefits from it carb cycling is strategically planning when you consume your carbs for some individuals they do zero carbs on one day Maybe carb for breakfast on the next day, then maybe breakfast and lunch on the other day. And typically it's used around workouts. Now, does it work? Yes. It depends on what the goal is, but it can work. In this case, I'm assuming it's to help with fat loss. And who benefits from it? Someone that's seeking for fat, looking for fat loss. It can help with adjusting your caloric intake. So you can consume less calories by carb cycling because you're eliminating carbohydrates. And if you don't replace those calories from elsewhere, you should be experiencing fat loss. Now, something else that's pretty cool about carb cycling is that it's almost like a high and low phase. When you don't have carbs, your body starts to kind of slowly phase out the carbs that are available. But then once you do have carbs and you reintroduce them, it's like if your body can more readily use them for glycogen stores and if you're gonna go and work out, typically you time your carb cycling around the workout and if it's an intense workout, you might have a little bit better energy. Um, but the studies are kind of conflictive on that. Anecdotally, it has helped individuals, but if you look at it from a black or white perspective, it's mostly because it's helping to adjust for calories. I hope this answered your questions and feel free to shoot some more questions over this way and I'll be catching you soon. Catch you guys later. Thank you.
be sure to share it with a friend, family member. Hopefully you learned something. Subscribe. Give a like. Let me know any thoughts on this. I appreciate you. Peace. Much love to you.